0: Hey friends and welcome to another podcast from Revival Fires. We're so glad that you're listening to this message. We're continuing in our Field of Dreams series. And this message by Trevor Baker is entitled Back to Life. Don't forget to check out our upcoming events. We have our next conference from the 6th to the 7th of November, Breaking the Curse and Walking in Freedom. Visit our website to register your place today. It is so good to be in a house like this where you don't hold back praise. And uh, I, I just sense this morning that we are in a place where God is going to use the church in such a way that we see breakthroughs like we've never seen before. God is awakening his ecclesia, his church that he is building in order that we may stand at the gates of hell and break through. So that the gates of hell do not stand against us. I mentioned on Thursday night. Listen, and I can use the two football teams. One of them is the church. Is the church is the team is the team that um, I follow on the television. People say, "What team do you support?" Uh, I can't say I support Liverpool. I never give them any money. You know, And if you were supporting something, you would give them more than just watching them on television. And, uh, and they were playing Everton yesterday. But just say that um, the game was at Everton, at um, Goodison Park. And Liverpool, which is the best team in the whole of the Premier League. Um, <clears throat> I know some of you may doubt that. But this illustration is that if they were to play... Um, Everton at Goodison Park, and they turned up at the Emirates Stadium and went onto the pitch to play the game there, they would forfeit the game. It would be given to the team Everton. Why? Because even though they were the best team, they showed up at the wrong stadium. I believe the church has been showing up at the wrong place. And so what has happened, the gates of hell has constantly been pushing and pushing and pushing. And so our influence has got less and less and less to the point being that now the church is never even consulted with regard to the affairs that are going on in the world. That at one time, let me tell you, the church was at the centre. And I'm not talking about when the kings ruled through the church. I'm talking about when the church was the bride of Christ, was the warrior of God on the earth, and saw and saw empires broken down, saw kingdoms broken down, and saw the church raise up a banner the bloodstained banner of the Lord Jesus right across the nations of the world and I believe we're coming into a place where God is going to raise the church up again and the church will be seen as the bride of Christ not in some, not in some flimsy garment that she wears, but she will be she will be a bride that is without spot and without blemish. It will not be an outward garment of purity, it will be an inward garment of holiness that the church carries within it so that it can come into the very throne rooms of heaven and penetrate and break through the gates of hell. Or as Jesus said, the gates of Hades. Listen to what Jesus said. I will build my church. I believe the church has been built by many things. But Jesus is about to start or is building his church. His ecclesia. God can do it. If you read the story of Nehemiah. I'm moving on to that now. If you read the story of Nehemiah. Everything was in ruins. Listen. When everything was in a place where it couldn't get much worse. God raised up a person raised up a church and that church was able to plant a seed that person was able to plant a plan that men and women came together families came together and they began to build and in 53 days ha huh, 53 days a hundred. And 40 years had been completely wiped out. Because that's what it was 70 years in captivity, 70 years where they'd gone back, and there were still things that needed to be done. And within 53 days, the city was built again. I believe God is giving the church, the ecclesia, an opportunity for him to build it again so that the church carries authority to be able to come to the gates of hades and they won't prevail against us and we will receive the keys of the kingdom so that what we loose is loosed what we open is open that is that is authority of a different dimension to what we are seeing at the moment. But I believe that God is going to release the church into such a dimension of authority in that realm, in the spirit realm, so that the natural realm comes into alignment and things will have to change. There will be things which leaders of nations have to turn a key. Why? Because it was turned in that realm. And as it was turned and loosed in that realm, God says, okay, now I'm about to loose it in this realm. We have to start getting out from just looking at the natural realm of how things are. We need to move into the spiritual realm and see that it's principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. Listen, this virus is a dark virus. I don't know where it came from, but let me tell you this. I believe it speaks more of hell than it does of heaven. And wherever it came from, we need to start attacking it. Don't go to China, because that won't do. We need to go to the spirit realm, where that ruling spirit, which wants to see the destruction of mankind. Do you know, in many churches, you know the last, the last group of people that they've allowed to come together is the church? Don't tell me that this isn't by demonic design. Even in our own country, the last group that was able to come together was the church. You could go out drinking. You could go out partying to a degree. You could go out doing all your shopping and yet you couldn't come to church. You know, everybody else can talk and yet we still have to put a muzzle on our face when we come to worship. I'm so grateful that people here still using your voice to give God praise. I am. You know, and that's a choice that you have made. And so, as we come to this passage this morning, you know, I've been wrestling with this over the last week, but it's from um, Nehemiah chapter 4. Listen to what it says. And um, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, I believe the demons are trembling. You may hear me speaking about demons, that's because they are real. They are not fictitious things that you find in little chronicles of um, Harry Potter and all the rest of it. These are demonic powers they're called demons, they're called ruling spirits, they're called spiritual forces of darkness and it says here, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed, could you just imagine that, somebody is building something someone is tidying up the city, someone is beginning to move the rubble out of the way to find the bricks and to start rebuilding and when they start doing it somebody becomes angry. I mean come on doesn't that sound demonic that here you have a people who are wanting to construct something and here you have a group of people three of them wanting to bring it to nothing and to destroy it. That is the situation that the world finds itself in. You start to step into some new things. You start to construct something. You start to do something in order to be a blessing in people's lives and people will start challenging you. We've had it here. You know, with all that God has done over the years. You know, there was was times when we were breaking in. There were times when we had a building and we got a building in a matter of a few months of being in this town. People had been laboring here for years and not seen the building that they'd got. And we got it. Do you know what they said? We, it, must be, it must be because of demonic influence. Thinking, come on. Then we, three years later, we were able to buy this place. Do you know what they said? Moneybags Baker. See, what were they doing? They were attacking the natural realm when God was wanting to bless from the spirit realm. And so here, that is demonic. It's curses. We put curses on people's lives that we need to take on. Listen, I want you, if you cannot speak blessing, put a gag upon your gob. (laughs) You know, you'll remember that. Just gag it. If you can't speak blessing, and I want God to sow so convict you so that when you go to speak, blessing comes out. And you'll be saying, oh, I've even shocked myself there. You know, but here it was. They became angry. You start breaking in into any area with blessing and let me tell you, people will start to rise up. We'll look at that in a moment. He was angry and greatly incensed. Do you know that word incense means his nostrils started to open wide? (laughs) Have you seen people like that? Seen people who've got incensed and they're talking to you and it's like they're spitting and they're, (laughs) you know, scowling their faces. That's what they were like. They weren't just saying, oh, we need to do something about this. They were vengeful with these men. He ridiculed the Jews in the presence of his associates. That's what a Sanballat will do. But God's got a splat for a Sanballat. And it says here, in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, there's always people who will back you up. You know, We need to see that. There's always situations that will be backed up by positions of power. And what are these feeble Jews doing? We touched on that last week. Will they restore the world? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? And this is the phrase. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Can they bring the stones back to life? Yeah, I believe that your dreams... I believe the dreams that the God has for the church in order for our dreams to come into fruition in order for them to be completed let me tell you our dreams need resurrection power hallelujah the stones needed resurrection power can these dead stones live? the answer is absolutely Can these people accomplish the purposes of God in their generation? Absolutely. We are the people that God has placed here. He made from one man every nation of men so that they would know the exact time and the the right time and the exact places where they should Live so that men might seek him. Do you know the church in the New Testament? It was one of the glorious places for multicultural living, it was made up of such ethnicities. It was made up of all different stratas of society. You could not have a more glorious picture on the earth of what heaven is going to be like. Come on. That is the truth. And all of this was taking place. God was doing something. He was building something out of the rubble of broken lives. Me and you. And he was causing it to be built up. And as they built it up, this ecclesia, this church of Jesus Christ that he was building had such an influence over nations, over regions. They overcame temples to pagan gods were found empty and the church grew and grew and grew. And even kings and queens trembled at the authority that this group of people had. Yes, from all different stratas, the rich, the poor, the intellectual, the wise, the ordinary, the builder, the baker. All of those things, meeting together, slave and free, male and female. There was nothing of division in this group of people until, until what happens? The church starts to get taken hold of by kings and emperors and then they start to institutionalise it, start to make it something that was never meant to. And in that, you see, can these bones, can these bricks that are burned, lifeless, can they come back to life? Well, let me tell you, the church is coming back to life. The church that Jesus is building, let me tell you, has never lost its life. Yes, it lost some of its influence, but let me tell you, there has always been on the earth a remnant. God can do with a remnant what he can't do with the whole, but the remnant makes way for the whole to come into All that God has for it. Are you with me this morning? And so here, see your dreams. I believe the church needs and requires resurrection power. You see, as you see, when you start, when you start to um, construct things, let me tell you, the enemy will come and confront. I don't know if you're in a place where you're trying to see a breakthrough in your life personally. Let's personalise this. In your life, if you're trying to see a breakthrough, you're trying to come to a place where you are constructing things, that you're putting things together. You're wanting to see a breakthrough. you want to see a breakthrough in your family. You want to see a breakthrough in your living. You want to see a breakthrough in your place of work. You want to see a breakthrough in your profession. You want to see a breakthrough in terms of your influence. Let me tell you, if you're in that place, you're in that place this morning, you are constructing change for your life. The enemy will want to confront you. And he will confront you. And what does he say? You're feeble. You're not good enough. You'll never accomplish that. You won't be able to do that. They will never choose you. Whatever you do, your CV is not going to All of these things. Let me tell you, you need resurrection power. You need to see that God created you in the way that he did, filled you with every gift, every grace that he's put upon your life so that you would know the right time and the exact place where he's put you so that you could seek his presence and bring his presence into that realm that he's made you ruler over. Everyone here, let me tell you, you have, you have rulership over an area of your lives Wherever it is that you've got an influence, God wants you to rule. That is not to say to downtrod other people. It is to rule. It is to see what's going on. And it's as you see going on, to go to the throne of grace. Listen. It isn't some fictitional place. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. If you're in a situation where God has placed you and there is a need, let me tell you: don't be critical of the situation. Become an intercessor at the throne of grace, so that you receive what is required in this realm. From that realm because the spirit rules over the natural, not the other way round. And so here this morning, can these stones, can they bring the stones back to life? Well, I don't know whether we can, but I know somebody that can. I know a God who can bring life out of death. I know a God, it says, that once we who were once dead in our trespasses and sins, He made alive. Not me, not you. He made alive. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ... In this room, if you're watching online, you know the Lord Jesus Christ. You have received a supernatural empowering in your life that what man could not do, God was able to do. He was able to make you alive again. Your spirit that was dead, your spirit that had no life in it, he just breathe into it and you became a living being again you began to communicate with a God in heaven never been able to do that before yes you could have said oh God help me as we looked last week but when you come to that place where you're made alive Jesus becomes real to you he is the very presence of God the Father making himself known to you and so here When you start to construct, the enemy will confront. When you want to complete, the enemy will compete. Listen, it says when they got to half the wall, that's when the activity began to increase. God is doing something in these days right across the world. I'm telling you this because you may not know, but God is doing something in these days. And he's taking groups of people and they're beginning to see situations being turned around like never before. God is giving the church back its voice. And I don't care if nobody ever hears um, our voice on the earth, but let me tell you, I know a place. I know a place where God has given you back your voice. Do you know where that place is? The throne of grace. That's where your voice is heard loudest. That's where he pays attention to the things that you utter and the things that you ask. Are you with me this morning? See, we need to see resurrection power. We need to see God putting life into that which we might think is lifeless. You see, and as they were. As they were confronted, as they were being competed against. Do you remember Jesus? Do you remember what it says of him? Listen to what it says. And those who passed by derided him. Why? Because it was halfway built. Salvation of mankind was halfway. It was just Jesus going to the cross. It wasn't complete until... He was resurrected on the third day. His work on earth as he's on the cross, he says, Father, it is finished. See, there there came a point where something had been completed. But you see, it needed needed to have resurrection power. And the resurrection power came on a three-day delay. Three-day delay to us, but right on time with God. And so here, listen to what it says, that as they passed by, they derided him, wagging their heads and saying, ah, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself, come down from the cross. Also the chief priests and scribes mocked at him and said, saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. Let Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross. Then we may see and believe. And those who were crucified. crucified with him also reviled him but if you just flip over one page when they went to the tomb there was a young man sitting in there you see they can confront the lord of glory all they want They can say all manner of stuff about this man called Christ Jesus. They can deride him. They can wag their heads. They can wag their fingers. They can revile him. They can do all manner of things against him. They can pull on his beard. They can stick a crown of thorns on his head. They can lash him with a whip. All of those things. They can do all of that. But three days later, you flip the page And there's a man sitting, a young man sitting in bright raiment, and he says to them, he is not here. He is risen. Hallelujah. Things were completed because of resurrection power. I believe that the church is coming into a place of resurrection power. Listen to what it says. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he would give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you might know him. Who is him? Christ Jesus more. And that the eyes of your hearts may be in. Enlightened, that you would come alive. How are you going to come alive? That your, the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened. That you may know the hope to which he has called you. The glorious inheritance that he has put in his saints. And the immeasurable working of his power or his incomparable great power for us who believe, the power that is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. See, God can take lifeless stones, lifeless bricks, and put life back into them, so that lifeless stones become living stones. Hallelujah. See, this is how we need to start viewing our lives from today. And it says "Is Seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, every title that can be given. Coronavirus is only a title. It is only a name. And God sits above all of those things. We need the wisdom and revelation to see that completely eradicated from the hearts and lives of mankind. It only comes as God, who is the Lord of all the earth. The earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, and those who dwell therein. And it says here, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, the ecclesia. You know, Jesus mentioned church three times, and the kingdom he mentioned a hundred times or more. Paul, he mentioned the kingdom three or four times, and he mentioned the church over a hundred times. What is that telling us? Paul just put into practice what Jesus told him to do. He had the keys of the kingdom, and as he used the keys of the kingdom, he saw The church of Jesus Christ built up. He didn't have a church planting program. He just saw the kingdoms of this world becoming the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. Listen, you need to put that into effect in your own personal lives. Listen, when they were confronted. Listen to this that I wrote as I was preparing this morning. When you start to intercede, God begins to intervene. You see, we haven't got a God who does not want to intervene. He is not. He is not the deist God or the deist God who set everything up, took a leave and said, OK, guys, get on with it. I'm leaving it all to you. He's a God who can intervene. How does he intervene? Angels. Angels. Miracles, signs, wonders. He intervenes by that supernatural breaking in of the kingdom of heaven. That's how he intervenes. And so here for us this morning, if you're looking for breakthrough, be prepared for God's intervention. You see, they didn't go on about Sanballat and all the rest of it. They went to God. And interceded. That was the key. When you're wanting to complete something and the enemy wants to compete with you, don't take him on. Go to the Lord in prayer. You know, come to that place. Begin to intercede. When you're wanting to construct something and the enemy wants to confront you, what does he do? Hear us, O God. We are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from our sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Listen again, we need to start praying prayers like that, not against, not against people, not against flesh and blood. We need to start praying prayers like that against demonic powers. We need to stop looking at them and backing off from them. We need to come and say, God, just like they have put us into captivity, now we want you to muzzle them. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said to the demons when they started to shout out. Do you remember the legion? And Jesus, when he started to cry, we know who you are, Jesus. Have you come here to destroy us? And Jesus said, shut up. Do you know what that word shut up means? Be muzzled. Be muzzled. And then he said to the demon, now come out. And he didn't enter into conversation with them. He just told a legion of them to leave. See, we need to get back the place of authority that God has given to us. Do you understand? We really do. We need to come against the gates of hades and no longer lose by default playing a game but we're in the wrong stadium do you understand and so therefore we will never win we may have the best worship we may be able to pray the best best prayers but let me tell you if you're not in the right arena you won't win ever and listen If you even enter into the right stadium with the best team and all you do is play a defensive game that you don't get out of your penalty area, let me tell you, you will never win. The best you can do is draw because you will never go onto the attack. We need to be a church that knows how to do warfare. You know, we wrestle not. Stand therefore in the mighty strength of God and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand In having done all to stand, Amen. having your loins girt about, having the breastplate of righteousness, having the helmet of salvation, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, having the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and having the shield of faith that is able to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. That's what Paul said in the church at Ephesus. And let me tell you, Ephesus is a picture of a church that knows how to rule and reign in a whole region. When Paul went there, there were 12 disciples. Within a matter of a few years, when I say a few years, three years, there was over 50,000 people that had owned the name of Jesus in that one city of nearly half a million people. Listen, that is, that is the church planting of the kingdom. How did he do it? Well, let me tell you, it wasn't through an institutional church. But it was through this vibrant, organic church that was beginning to rise up. That in every place where they went, they ruled and they reigned. So where there were two or three believers together in their places of work, when they were seeing God beginning to work, is they didn't start becoming critical. They didn't start to criticize everything that was going on that they didn't like. Whether it was the meals in the canteen, or whether it was the coffee machine that were getting the coffee out of, because I know that's the type of stupid stuff we do the photocopy that needs changing, the ink that needs changing, nobody changes the ink. And so we just go on about stupid stuff like that. Instead of saying, what is God wanting to do in our place of work? Let's come to a place where we begin to agree together and begin as we begin to agree together. Let's ask God to break into this place so that the place where we work, people recognize that there is something different about where we work because we are here. We need a, re- a revolution in our thinking. And so here, you know, what are you doing? That's what they said, what are these crazy people doing? You know, God will often ask us the question, what are you doing? You know, he asked Moses, he asked Moses, what have you got in your hand? Let me ask you this morning, with all that God has put in your heart to do, what have you got in your hand? See, God always gives us something in order to begin something with. He never leaves us destitute. There is always something that he has given to us that is tried and tested that he wants us to use. And he wants it to be put into his hand. He said to Moses in chapter 4 of Exodus, what do you have in your hand? And listen, it wasn't because God didn't know. What Moses was holding but he needed Moses to realize what he had was sufficient when it was surrendered to God he said what have you got in your hand he said a rod he says well throw it down as he threw it down it became a serpent and then he says to him now pick it back up again he picked it back up and it turned back into a rod in his hand what was he saying Moses You have enough to confront the powers of darkness. You have enough to come against the serpents of this domain, of this territory with this rod. And listen, you will see it turn into things and you will see it change back into the authority that I give to you. Listen, what have you got in your hand? Let me ask you that. God says you have something that he's given to you so that you can begin to build that which he has given you to build. Every one of us here should have a dream. Every one of us here should have something that we are seeking to construct. And the thing is this, as a church, I believe the most wonderful thing is that every one of us here, if we could put all of our collective gifts together, we would have more than we ever realized at seeing God fulfilling a great purpose for this region and for the nations see what have we got in your hand remember see the questions that we're asked remember with Elijah Elisha with the Shunammite woman and he says to her what have you got what have you got in your house and she says I've got nothing at all but this little bit of oil that's enough You see, so often we despise the small things. Why? Because people tell us that smallness never works. When Sharon and I were setting up the drug rehabilitation centre in um, Telford in Shropshire, listen. When we finished, when we finished that work there, we had a 28-bed residential centre. We had 17 full-time workers. We had three move-on houses. with another three workers attached to them. We had a 40-place day centre in Birmingham with another six full-time workers there. You see, you look at that and you think something of substance. When we started it, we had a four-bedroom, one, two, three, four. We had a four-bedroom house, which we could have... Four people stay with us, and we just took them through basically a Christian lifestyle. We didn't have a program. We just asked them to come and live with us because we believed that that was enough. Somebody could come and live in someone's house that was destitute because of drugs, and they could learn something different about life could be. And you know, we had, we had people, we had probation officers, we had social workers, we had the medical profession talking to us and saying, this will never work because it's got no ethos about it. It's too small. You see, they could look at it later on and the probation officer that said, with well, all they are is Christian do-gooders. And he says every time to a prisoner who came to our center, he said to him, see that Trevor Baker, every time he comes in here, I am rebuked by what I said about him as being a Christian do-gooder. He said he's here 12 years later and he has done things here that I never thought he would be able to do. And I went to him the one time, next time I was in, and I said to him, Tom, I said, Tom, let's just have a coffee together. And I said, you know, Tom, you need to stop living under the curse of what you said. I forgive you. This probation officer, who then was an area probation officer, he burst into tears. And he said these words, I never thought you would speak to me like that. See, you do not know. See, don't despise the day of small things. What have you got in your house? What have you got that God has given? I have nothing but this little bit. That little bit is more than enough if you allow God to keep filling it and God to keep pouring out. If you allow God to keep pouring out of your life into other people's lives, let me tell you what you have will never run dry. That is why I believe that the life groups, as we begin to change, and as we begin to have these groups of six, we can begin to pour in more out of a group of six than we can with a group of 12. Do you know why? Because with a group of 12 is what we do is we always wait for somebody else to do the pouring when you become a group of six or even a group of three, and we said that right at the beginning, you can have a group if you've just got yourself, your spouse and one other person. Why? Because we can pour in their hassle. You can't depend on other people. You can't depend on me. You can't depend on Ryan. You can't depend on Sharon. You can't depend on Gary. Hannah, and I could keep going on you have to then pour in and pour out what you have into other people's lives. That is what causes the church of Jesus Christ to grow. Nothing else. It isn't fine-sounding words, sermons, or all the rest of it. It's when we actually pour out our lives into the life of one other person. Yeah. It's pretty simple. So simple, we miss it. And we despise the day of small things. Also, sometimes God needs to ask you the question, what are you doing here? Remember Elijah running away, saw a great victory and then God says to him, so what are you doing here, Elijah? Some of you need to be asked that question. What are you doing here? Well, I've been zealous for the Lord. Listen, past victories came for nothing. Past victories, you can have a victory over one realm. He had a victory over the prophets of Baal, but he needed another fight now and he had to use new tactics, but he didn't, he ran away. You see, Jezebel was different from Baal. And so he ran away. When he came to fight the prophets of Baal, God gave him the strategy. Build an altar, fill it round with water, put a sacrifice on. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So he gave him a strategy. When Jezebel came after him, he ran for his life. And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God. I've slain the prophets of Baal. Let me tell you, our past victories count nothing today. They're past. It's what we are facing today today. It's what we are facing as we come to the gates of Hades today. And what we face today may not be the same as what we faced yesterday. So we need new strategies. We need new wisdom. We need new revelation. That is why Paul says, I continue to pray for you that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know Him more. And so here, what are you doing here? What are you doing in the place that you're at? Are you running from something? Or are you going to become one that stands and allows God to recommission you? And in that recommissioning, what God says is now go back. Go back and start raising up the next generation. Some of us here, that's what we need to do. Now, there's many of us here over 50 years of age. Listen, your time is not over. Your time is not over. This is the time when you need to start seeking out those who you're going to pour into. Forget about what you're going to accomplish. Start to raise up the next generation. God says, go back. And I want you to anoint Jehu king. And I want you to anoint Elijah, Elisha to be prophet in your place. And that's what he spent the rest of his life doing. Well, he never got to anoint the king, but let me tell you, he had so poured into Elisha and so poured into Elisha that when Elisha came into the presence of um, Jehu, he completed the work that God had given to Elijah. That's how it should be, church. I believe that God is raising up a people here. So listen, if you're 50 or over, I put myself in that bracket. Our work is just starting. And listen, what we're going to do is different from what we've done. The battle that we're now facing is going to be different from the one that we overcame. And so I want to put that challenge out here. Go back to God and say, God, I'm here. Now put a fresh commission on me. If you're under fifty, you need to be standing there saying, "God, whatever it is, I'm ready you know become like become like the Wahammers of twenty years ago. Again, you see they're not like that today. Wahammers that says it, well it's what you do is you aim well, fire as youth with a mission and uh, and so this uh, they had this thing, you know, when you're firing at a target, you get the target, you, you look, you aim, and then you fire. They had the motto, fire, look, take aim, and then find a target. You know? And uh, we need to have that sense of zeal again. Listen, if you're a young person, this isn't time for you to be sitting in your bed watching, if you're watching, if you're 20 and under and over up to 50, you should not be in bed watching me this morning because you're tired. You know, you you need a good mama and papa who will lift that bed into stand to attention so that you're ready in the position that you need to be in. Because I believe God is going to so activate his church. We're gonna see such change taking place. Don't ask me what change, I just know change is on the way. Don't ask me how we're going to do it because you're gonna do it. So you need to be asking God, really asking God. I'm not playing around. You know, you need to be asking God, God, what is it that you have commissioned me for, and what is it that I've been called to do right now? What are the battles that I need? to be stepping into. And so for us, what are you doing here? You see, can these stones come back to life? Listen, I want you to know that God will empower you in all your weakness. When I am weak, then I know that he is strong. I can do all things through Christ who empowers me, strengthens me. See, if the, bone, if the bricks are going to come back to life, dead stones become living stones built into a spiritual habitation for the Spirit of God to come down. Don't we all long for that? Don't you long for that? Where the Spirit of God comes down amongst a group of people and what happens, the atmosphere changes. Like this morning, the atmosphere changed. There was a fragrance that was released. And I believe there's a fragrance of God is wanting to release on us this morning. A fragrance of life. And so here I can do all things through Christ. The same power that God exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you. God has given to you resurrection power. You know, do you feel that? Or is it just another day? You know, sense the very presence of jesus allow him to speak to you can these bones can these bricks be brought back to life from those heaps of rubble the answer is yes